scary John Burkhart. <laughs> I don't know if that's scary, John, or just quite sweet. I don't know. I think it's I think it's what you expect on Halloween, Jackie. It is so good to see you. This is hot. I can't even see what I was doing. I think I was gyrating as a bear. So what, you just found that lying on the floor? Oh, I just found that in my favorite charity shop in the mountains of North Carolina. And um, and my wife has gotten rid of pretty much all of my massive uh, Halloween closet, costume closet, we'll call it. I wear, I wear costumes year round. And um, I refuse to allow her to get rid of my panda. And um, I've got other massive um, creations just like this. Well, that yes, doesn't I'm, surprise uh, me uh, at all. I'm giving out a, a trick-or-treat situation at the company I'm working in. Um, oh, I better put this away because they'll then I'll ruin the surprise. That's for, that's for in one hour's time because um, uh, happy Halloween. I think I might have seen, Jackie, some of your pumpkins. Did you have some pumpkins in the background? I did have some, well, you have to kind of go back a little bit. I was suddenly got to yeah. 3 o'clock and I thought, oh, my God, I should try a little bit harder. Um, nice. and, and, yeah, a little bit, a bit of a mask. But like like you, I had a huge clear out. Well, like your wife, I had a huge clear out. My daughter went off to university. And so it was like, I don't need all this Halloween stuff. You so don't. I ran around uh, the house. Got, most of the stuff I own, you don't need. That's why when I go away to speak, because uh, that's what this podcast is about. When I go away to speak, uh, my wife gets rid of all my stuff, like genuinely. <laughs> She's not a hoarder. So, yeah, I, I, I live in the moment, so I forget about all the stuff I collect. So I forget. The only thing I'm really angry about is my, uh, I had the world's largest collection of leather bookmarks. Um, and that is literally gone in the rubbish bin about 15 years ago. And I still, still mention it to this day. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so, so to, to, you know, we're here to speak about speaking. It happens to be Halloween. Uh, but we'll, let's, let's, let's go down the speaking trail. You are obviously working away at the moment. You're speaking all the time and running workshops. How did your speaking career start? Because what interests me is whether it came from uh, what it was that you were trying to get across to people, educate people around branding. Yeah. So which which came first? Uh, which sorry, which came first? The 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 marketing career or the speaking or what what are the what are my two options sorry i missed out yes you the two options are which came first the fact that you wanted to uh, that you were a marketer and you needed to speak to an audience about that or the fact that you wanted to be a speaker and get in front Got of it. audiences yeah. yeah so um it weirdly I, i've always known i was going to be a speaker um it, it's what i studied at university um uh, organizational and speech communication. That was my literal major. Uh, but then I, then my dad said, you have to kind of make money. Um, so I got a marketing and an English sort of like subcategory called a minor, double minor. And so I've, I've been doing what I've been called to do for a long while. But well, I will say there was this moment and the moment was, um, when I found out about this conference called South by Southwest and found that they had a super engaged audience uh, and that they're my people, even though they're from Texas and I'm from Tennessee, close enough. And it, it is where Twitter launched. Um, and I just was like, I love social media. Why don't I become a speaker by going and speaking at South by Southwest? So I just put loads of talks together myself. Also, in the spirit of generosity, I helped loads of other people speak because I felt like I knew the formula of what they're looking for. Um, 
And then my speaking career springboarded from that because then I got a book deal after being one of the first people to talk about social media. That I, I want, I said, I've studied to be a speaker, yet I'm not speaking because I'm um, just so you know, creative, you probably already know this. Uh, creatives in advertising agencies don't really get to speak. They sometimes get to present their work, but they don't get to like perform because um, everyone's afraid that they'll embarrass themselves in front of the clients by being too creative. Yeah, that's a weird one, isn't it? Don't don't get me started on this whole kind of thing. Of, yeah. <laughs> people not knowing where to put creative people and, and, and creative people being afraid of speaking out because they are afraid that people won't understand them or know where to put them or know what to do with them, which is where exactly where I was when I started out on my own. I mean, do you think there's two different types of creative people that we're dealing with here? Because I've always worked with a partner. Usually this person is a, a more person who thinks in pictures and they've never really been that crazy outgoing. We've been a bit of a yin and a yang. And I, I, I genuinely think they haven't really wanted to present their ideas, but then there's this certain type of creative that, wants the stage um and, it, and and i would say a lot of them are extrovert but uh, of course um as you'll prove to me uh, is absolutely not true that speakers are extroverts there some of them are yeah i think i think um i think that's true i think a lot a, a bit like comedians or anybody that has something to say um it's quite a vulnerable thing to do to step on a stage and mm. and so with people hide behind what it is that they know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll throw that open. If there's anybody out there listening, what do you think? Do you think that that speakers are speakers because they are extroverts? Or do you think it's the desire to want to share knowledge, which I think, which I think is a big part of it too. And I think it's why people do have uh, are, are quite afraid of of getting started because it's yeah. a very scary, vulnerable thing to do. Absolutely. I, I would say definitely, uh, we'll see what other people think, but I would say definitely people has got to start with a base layer of wanting to share uh, knowledge, wanting to share their opinions. But I would also argue that there are certain flavors of speaker who also like the provocation and the banter and like um the call and response. So like you put on my little thing about me being a preacher, I really want there to be an altar call and for people to come down or just say something on Zoom. And that is literally respond to what I'm doing. And sometimes they just say, you're full of it. And sometimes they say, uh, I like where you're going there. Don't totally agree. But could I just build on it this way? And I say, yes, please. So then it then it just becomes a, a lesson in improv building upon others, doesn't it? Do you then go out to provoke? Is that something that you that you do consciously? You think, right, I'm, I'm going to provoke the audience into responding. I do, but it has to be in stages. So I would say I know I, I, I try my best with a minor amount of empathy and emotional intelligence to read the room. And I try to find my moments when I can draw people in and, and you have to draw them in in a way that is um, won't put their guard up. So you have to find almost like a, an easy win way to get them in and then you get them comfortable. And then it's the ripple effect of Oh, they were speaking. Well, those people were speaking. I love it. So you and usually I pick my person, 
and and I, I test the waters, and then sometimes they're well up for it, and then ever then the rising tide uh, raises all the ships because then once you get people going, then it's so much easier to keep it going. But it yeah. it is just finding your captain um, on this on these interactive uh, um, journeys because I really genuinely, as you know, Jackie, I don't like. Uh, doing primarily Zoom speaking because I like building off the audience and, and learning new things. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's where the dopamine rush is for me. And that, that is literally why I've um, course corrected, if we're using all these navigational terms, um, course corrected to to focusing on dopamine storytelling as, as my main thing, because that, that chemical in the brain is deeply fascinating from a speaker's point of view. Wow, let's go there. <laughs> tell me, tell me then. I mean, I obviously, yeah, <laughs> dopamine, uh, yeah, storytelling. W what does that involve? Is that all? Of, is that about emotion and and provoking? And what what is that? Um, well, I I have to go back to um, another bear based uh, character since I've started off with a panda bear. Let's go to Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear is a character from a story, as you know, Winnie the Pooh. Um, and he said to Christopher, um, eating honey. Hmm. Eating honey is a really good thing to do, but I don't like eating honey. Christopher's like, what? You love honey. You're a bear. Come on. No, I like the moment before I eat the honey because it's the anticipation of the honey once you get the honey then you've already had the honey and that is dopamine so it's i oh jackie man why why am i so i think it's just because i'm on this learning journey called life but i so thought that my thing was about surprise and i've done you've you've done hula hooping with me we brought out a uh, miniature uh squeezable poo to have them identified as an emoji from even the older folk in the room we've tried lots of things and i never try it again because it's not a surprise again but i thought my thing was surprise and it is not dopamine and dopamine based storytelling are around novelty poo for poo bear eating honey is not new once he's done it so it's just that moment before and that sense of novelty is what I want to help speakers. I'm now, as you know, training people to be better speakers, but I'm training them to find ways to, to really connect with their audience, but also always trying to find new ways to get and keep their attention. Because once they've tried that icebreaker once, um, if they have those same people again, it won't be new. And I hear in my head, you're saying, well, just speak to new audiences all the time and use the same old stuff. Yes, I could do that. But, uh, well, that's, that is exactly what I was going to, what I was going to ask is because I know you can't do the same stuff. I know you, I know you, I've seen your, your presentations. I've seen you talking. I've seen you on stage. I, I held the poo, you know, I was there. <laughs> yes, you did. I have, I have visual <laughs> proof. <laughs> Um, and so it wouldn't work, even if you did the same stuff with different audiences. I know because of your personality, because of the way you are, that's that's a difficult thing to do. So how then do you how then do you teach other people to do that? Because obviously, from from my point of view, when I'm talking and and creating content for speakers to and getting the performance ready, you know, like I've had conversations with you around breathing and pause. Uh, pay, 
pace and pause and all of those things. Uh, how how do you approach teaching then? Is it is it literally from that dopamine inducing engagement side or? It, it starts there, but it can't be there. But mainly because there's two sides of the dopamine that we have to deal with here, and uh, I, I'm probably better at one than I am the other. But they're both important. So first is the aspect of desire involving in dopamine. This is the fuel. This this is um, uh, this is the short-term benefit, you, you know, put some calories in and, and, you know, it's the fuel that gets us there. That's like the desire, of, uh, to, to fulfill something. But then there's this other side of dopamine that is all about control. And it's the side that allows us, like, if I were you, when I first met you, I was absolutely fascinated by breathing and, and these things that I felt you were allowing or help trying to help me control my release of dopamine, control my uh, emotions, gather, go go along with the audience on a journey. Don't just give them everything and there's nothing left. So there's this desire where you and you and you get that quick and you get everyone on your team. Like I talked about, gaining the audience's attention, but keeping it. That's where there's the control side of dopamine that I think is really fascinating, and that's where we're using dopamine mindfully and thoughtfully. Um, and that, I think you're really good at that when you talk to speakers about um, the way they essentially control the the way that they storytell and that's through a lot of techniques that, that you're really good at yeah i would thank you i would imagine though that you get quite a few people coming to you to uh train to be a speaker because they want to be just like you, Have you i found think that? i wanted i wanted to think that because i have that weird thing called ego and i think it's actually really not true so wh where i would say is they initially want me to come in to energize the team and usually there's a problem person uh on the team that um and and they've identified that and they think that i can sort of rise them out of the ashes and get them over themselves just by playing the fool and just by genuinely being interested and concerned in how we get them to stop navel gazing because usually it's this inward kind of they're killing themselves with their own internal dialogue uh, so I feel like I initially get the gig that, but then I found in these workshops that it's really nice when myself and a team of other consultants, when we actually go through what it's going to take to maintain their energy levels, oftentimes we find that they're needing to approach the speaking in a, from a totally different mindset as myself. But I, I do think I'm good at getting them in a lighter frame of mind. And sometimes it's the heaviness that, that builds up from the depths that kind of overwhelms you and you can't actually get over yourselves and you find yourself doing all kinds of awkward things with your hands and like and then like pacing and just being really unnatural and stuttering at, you know, all kinds of nervous tics. And I, I do feel like I, I'm a helpful I find ways to help people get over that. But as far as ways for them to sustain that, sometimes my my approach is not the right approach for them. And that's why I know other approaches. Yeah. Well, not, my thing is, play, is playfulness. I love I love working with people in a playful way because people, 
they, you know, as adults, we don't play enough, and it's uh, it's a, a serious business. We need to we need to play more, and you do, and absolutely you do. I've got. Let me show you this. I was here for this as well. Look. Oh man, I love. Oh, <laughs> remember Not balloons. That's bubble. Jake. That's Haley. That's John. You were literally yeah. just right. I think you just cut yourself out somehow because you were just right there. I, well, I <laughs> wasn't on the stage for that one. I don't think I wasn't oh, on the stage for okay. that one, but. Oh, you yeah, were on the stage was, for the other reveal, yeah. I was, right. I was, no, and, and yeah, it's, it is playfulness because it builds confidence, doesn't it? When you can get people to just sort of chill and play and relax into themselves, then actually speaking, all of those ticks, as you say, disappear. People come to me and wanting me to stop all of those things and actually it, you can only stop those things once you're confident in what you're talking about and who you are. And once you yeah, once no, you've totally. got to that there's stage, a, there's a... so I was just going to give you an example of the, of how this play can kind of come um, out. There's an amazing uh, guy that uh, works for Apple. Well, he used to, uh, but then in his spare time, he had a YouTube channel um, and he did science experiments. And uh, you know, I've talked about like the professor from the Netherlands that. Um, has accidentally, because he lets his people drink beer in the lab on Fridays, he accidentally levitated a frog. I, I use loads yeah. of examples of, of this when I talk about curiosity and, and just poking at things. Um, but what what this Mark Robert guy did, he, he's done all these videos and um, about science experience, experiments. But the one that went viral was an obstacle course he did for a squirrel in his back garden. He, he started doing this over lockdown, like most good creative projects that have ever happened. But but he's had to quit his job because he's just too famous. He makes, you know, there's only, even Mr. Beast doesn't have the engagement that he has per video. It's insane. But play is at the heart. He has this whole thing he does with people where he uh, gamifies it and things with Super Mario Brothers. But, but you look at everything he does and play is at the heart of it. And it just makes me so excited. Yes, there's a there's a a professor and a play researcher called Stuart Brown who said yes. they've looked at the brain and there's nothing that lights up the brain like play, and it's just it's just so important. We're just going to break there quickly because Mark put this comment in ages ago. Can John lead the singing in Delphino Lounge again for Creator Day twenty four? Always tell me when it is, Marky Mark Masters. Uh, yeah, I think Ella Orr will remember that for the rest of her life. That was a that was a impromptu oh, singing, Ella. standing on on tables and stuff. That was a that was a she, great. Day. She secretly wanted the attention, and I felt like I needed to provide it for her. And you did, <laughs> you did. Uh, so, with your speaking, I know from from listening to you a few times now that there is so much information that you want to get out into the world and that you that your 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 talks are just so full of interesting and relevant and valuable information and and, and tell me how how you manage to get your point across and the, and the kind of so if people out there that don't know you that are listening to this how how do you go about crafting your talks so that you get that playfulness in so you get that engagement you get the dopamine going plus you get all of that information across where do you start um, uh, so I, I i have a rough uh framework and i have some set pieces 
that I try to alter each time, but the, 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 the heart of them is true. Uh, and foolishly or not foolishly, I often have a prop that I think may work um, because we know for a fact it's proven with brain science that the, the presentation of said artifact, like if I show you this, you're like, that's a football. I was like, well, actually, is it? But listen to the way it bounces. That sure bounced like a ping pong ball. So no, 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 it's a football. No, no, but it bounces like a ping pong ball. Hmm, maybe it's a ping pong ball football. Anyway, an artifact. I, I often start there and build around a few artifacts. Sometimes I have to totally scrap that. Like, for example, let me give you a story that you were involved in. Um, I uh, have oftentimes, when I come down to speak at the amazing, there's a community down near where you live, uh, called You Are the Media. Um, <laughs> and it's great. Mark Masters has just been on this call uh, asking a question about my singing and lack thereof abilities. But I love coming there to speak. Uh, I usually find some prop that I've never even imagined. So I had this idea about doing Venn diagrams. So I, how do you do a, a live Venn diagram where you get um, uh, two people who would rarely ever cross paths, but you are the media brings them in. Um, uh, like uh, Haley and Chandy, for example, I put them in a Venn diagram, but uh, and I was like, I was their common glue between. So if you put two loops together, you actually have a live Venn diagram. So I just play around with ideas, but then it turns out that I was listening to my headphones and walking down the streets of Bournemouth. So I didn't hear that I was cha-cha-chaing because the, the hula hoops had sand in them. And everyone was looking back at me and I was like, why is everyone, is no one ever seen a hula hoop? But I didn't realize that I was cha-cha-chaing to the sand. And so I was actually creating quite a, a raucous and I didn't realize it because my headphones were in. So then I was like, why don't we go on the streets of Bournemouth and do hula hooping and have a competition to see who gets noticed. Again, things build and oftentimes it's, how do I do an interesting Venn diagram? How about hula hoops? And then more ideas come from that. And I, I think props are literally one of 10 things I do. Mostly it's to do with stories and finding ones that resonate deeply with myself that I think the audiences will like. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, when you came on my podcast uh, just after lockdown and you were my first in-person ever uh, podcast and we we did it in the auditorium didn't we and we got rudely right, interrupted right. by by the ushers which was was funny <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but you spoke you spoke a little bit then about newsjacking which I think is just a really interesting take on the news and how brands use that I don't want to obviously that's you know, we've kind of spoken about that before but is how how is that now is it is it any better I mean, the example we used was the fact that obviously David Bowie had died and Crocs yeah. put uh, the Aladdin Sane on a on a croc kind of thing. And, and yes. that is newsjacking. Yes. You think brands um, are well, still as bad? That's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm working in this exact agency um, called Connects um, and we're uh, I'm doing a talk there um, in a week's time and they don't know what's going to hit them because... I have got another Croc story and everything I, I've been talking about Crocs for many years, but I, what I love about newsjacking is like all these people downstairs here, um, they are all on trend. We work with fashion brands. We work with creators, influencers. Um, so we're 
of the moment. I wanted to actually film this entire podcast in our closet that has all these famous sneakers. But then I was like, oh, I don't want people to find out where we filmed it and then steal um, all the sneakers because um, there's they're basically empty boxes. I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. But um, essentially what they have is they have creators who are relevant. Where, where I'm adding my touch is creators have their audience and they're relevant to the audience. But where do we sit as a brand here, a customer here, and a massive circle of creators there? I still think we need to poke poke the big bear, which is, sorry, another bear thing, but poke the creators and make them better while also finding out other ways to surprise the customers because they're so used to making the same kind of content. I actually think our challenge with newsjacking is to be is to be real, obviously to be quicker, but obviously more importantly to to try different tactics that haven't been done before. Like the unboxing, we work in the world of fashion. Unboxing is as unboxing it has always been. How do we how do we disrupt that? I, I want to basically add dynamism and difference to everything, which is why I called it dynamic difference. So unboxing, let's rip that up. Let's do something different. Uh, the way we uh, newsjack the next big um, uh, here, it would be the next big show. So the crown is launching on the 16th of November. How do we do that in an interesting way? And, and it's going to be different than, than what they did when they found out that the queen, rest in peace, uh, does her scones the Devon way, because that's already been done. Say that last bit again. The Queen, what? Sorry. Uh, th that was the big news, Jack, of last year is thanks to the Crown, we found out that the Queen does her scones the Devon way, which is the correct way, because you basically put the um, cream on, so it's a buttery kind of substance, and then you put the jam on top. The corn Cornish way is wrong and opposite. Well, quite right. Then I am I am with the Queen. God rest her soul. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. I knew definitely. you would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, very, very quickly, I just because Mark's got a quite another question there that I, I will get you to answer Good. in a second. But just tell me quickly, what is fart storming? So uh, fart storm, well, there's brainstorming, um, which I've been asked to do for many, many years. Uh, and that uh, is gathering people in a room, deer in headlights, and they're hoping that my energy will carry them into saying something interesting and building on it in an improv way. But then... I actually find that that is no one ever comes to the table with things. But what what is it, what is the difference between like a brain wave and a brain fart? So a brain fart is just like random. I had one on my walk to get a burrito um, and it led to this thing I'm doing for Halloween. I just don't feel like we're putting ourselves into enough scenarios where we can gather all of our farts and then come together having having something to say in this in this meeting of ideas i, I just hate brainstorms because everyone comes with nothing and they usually go up with go out with the ideas from the person who spoke the loudest so when when people are allowed to collect their farts uh that they have in the shower etc but everyone has to come with five farts that just happened to happen when they weren't thinking of it, when they were thinking of something else and they had a brain fart. If we can, if we can bring our farts together, then we're going to have a much better session. And keep in mind, I never call it a brainstorm. A much better idea session.
Fabulous. I love that idea. Love that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that one. Um, Mark's question is... I was really shocked that you mentioned fart storming because ever asked me, but I love, I love it. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Mark wants to know what makes you nervous on stage. I do too, actually, because obviously you're so energetic that it's hard to think of you being nervous on stage, but what is it that makes you nervous? Um, I can tell you exactly what makes me nervous. Um, uh, a, a lot of times, it, <laughs> a lot of times it's the tech setup. I hate to admit it, but if, if if I don't have room to roam and feel like the like if the audience is 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 kind of uh, back too far, or if there's something unsettling about me having complete freedom, sometimes I was in um, where I was in Copenhagen, uh, and we found out that I couldn't get off the stage because you had this feedback with these massive speakers and everything. And I was just, I, I hid behind the stage and um, I made them film me from behind so you could see the audience and everything. But I was like, we've got to get some sort of interesting angle and film this in, in a different way because you're, you've literally hamstrung me. I had to stay on stage the entire time. So the tech setup is the first thing, but the things that make me uh mostly nervous is when i um it, it the opening I, I i feel like any good sitcom which has a cold open um and then you have the meat of the message and the cold open usually doesn't relate to anything i need to get you in on my cold open where i just get you to relax and like the topic you don't have to like me but you have to like the topic that we're kind of poking around but if i have come across um, as too aggressive tonally, because maybe I'm trying to fight with competing audio, uh, noises or whatever, then I lose the chance to own the room and get to what I really need to talk about. I think a lot of people don't understand that I'm trying to get your attention and get you to relax and get into this subject matter. I'm not automatically starting with the lecture. I never do that. It's, it's there's there's always just like a good sitcom. I'm always I ha have a cold open. Sometimes it's a heartfelt story, but sometimes uh, sometimes it's not. But I have to get you emotionally ready to learn. And if I if my cold open fails, uh, I, I'm us usually scrambling in the first uh, minute or two after that. God, that's yeah, yes, I can imagine that's that's hard. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And especially so if I already of... know, or if I found if I found out uh, a minute before going on stage that I'm not allowed to go out in the audience, um, then then I'm I'm in a world of hurt. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to find that stuff out beforehand? Obviously. Yeah. Normally you do. Normally you do. But sometimes there's like a tech issue that you would never know about. Um, and uh, in this one case, it was the way they organized that tech on the on the morning of they changed the tech setup and uh, so it, it's tricky because as much as you and uh, all the speakers that listen to you want to think everything's great sometimes things just happen yes yeah it's, it's, it's hard to be prepared for everything well you can't be prepared for everything but that just leaves, exactly. leaves me very very quickly because we've done our half an hour uh, into what do you think makes a good speaker good and a bad speaker suck Mm, I like that question. So um, let's start with, uh, since I'm an optimist, um, but I also like surprise, let's start with the bad. Uh, so what makes a 
bad speaker. I hate thinking of them as bad speakers, but what, what makes a, a less experienced person really not own a room? And that, for me, it's always related to thinking the audience care. The audience doesn't ever care about the speaker. The audience only only thinks what's in it for them. So it's always the bad speaker thinking that the audience cares about them. And they need to start with the audience, what is in it for the audience? And, and a bad speaker doesn't start with what's in it for the audience. A good speaker, obviously flipping the tables there, a good speaker is well aware of where the speech and the audience needs to end up. And they start with the end and they build back from how we get that end. How do we make it to where we can start at the beginning and get there? And they have a very clear view. It could involve lots of experiments like what I do, but I always know where I'm trying to go to get, you know, when it was community managers in, in Copenhagen, you know, Aarhus, the second city of Denmark, I knew exactly what they needed to feel and what they needed to learn uh, and keep in mind, they already had TikTok and Twitter and all the platforms as the, as the sandwich in between the, the keynote speakers. So, but I knew I knew what they needed to get them fired up to to go through this practical day of, of of learning tips and tricks about the platforms. So I had to get in there. I knew exactly where they needed to end, and I just had to ladder back thirty minutes to to, to see how I could get them there. So yeah, good speakers always have the end in mind. Bad speakers always have themselves in mind. Love that. Absolutely agree with that. So tell us, tell us, John, where we can uh, find you. Where can people come and find you? I've got a couple of uh, places here that I'll put up. Where's the best place? LinkedIn is the best, but my man Mark is doing my brand new uh, Dynamic Difference website, which will uh, be launching in the month of, month of December, finally. Um, and uh, yeah, I am, I am going to be speaking next year uh in in texas uh, south by southwest and then i am really busy with a, a really exciting consulting gig here in this office right there uh and and probably doing a couple of speeches and workshops a month uh between now and christmas uh but but then things kick off uh when i go on tour for this new dynamic difference particularly with a focus on social and influencer since that's always been my world but that yeah. that I, I want to come down i want to go to delfino lounge i want to come down to the coast i want to swim in shark infested cold waters with you uh i want to still be sponsored by cheez it's the um the rival brand um uh from matt king's brand and uh yeah i, I really need more jackie and you are the media in my life Fabulous. Look forward to that. Really do look forward to that. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it just I mean, there's so much more to talk about. The whole South by Southwest we didn't even really sort of touch on. Um, but but yes, lovely, lovely, lovely to speak to you, John. And thank you so much for coming on today. Um, just in terms of what I'm up to, if anybody needs to get in contact with me, I'm at powertospeak.co.uk. I've got a group program starting on the, uh, well, starting on Monday, actually. If anybody feels the need to start 2024 with more confidence about speaking to their audience, then come and check that out at Power to Speak. 
She, see, just a little plug for Jackie, but she she was going to start this thing tonight and she was going to make everyone wear costumes and everything. And it was just going to be awkward because you were all going to hide behind your costumes. But the reality is she's great at what she does. She doesn't need to hide behind a costume. Neither do you. If you're really going to have the power to speak, you need to just be yourself and let 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 Jackie kind of mold you. So maybe you should sign up for this next week. I'm glad you did it next week and not today because I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck with all of your touring. And hopefully your tour will bring you down to the seaside very, very, very soon. It, it, when Mark messages me, I usually show up immediately. That's just how it works with him. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> well, if, uh, you guys, if you're out there uh, listening, watching uh, a replay, then you are still more than welcome to stick a comment in the comments and uh, or ask a question and we'll, we'll try to get back to you as soon as. So if you're watching or listening to the replay, then please get in touch. It's, this is a totally interactive, totally interactive website, so, um, podcast. So Lots of love, John. Thank you for being here, and I'll speak to you very soon. And thank you, Jackie. I, 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 I love will... what you do, and um, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>